Stay out of other people's scenes. That would be like something that I said in the middle of this rant. And I just clipped it, put it at the front, and it shows up later. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, I was just watching the latest episode, one one thirty, I believe. And I came to the one hour, 32 minute mark. And something happened that irritated me as an improviser and also as a fan of the show. Veth is having a scene with Yeza. They're in the bar and they're talking about their future. And this is right on the heels of a moment between Jester and her mother. Jester and uh, Laverne. What's her name? Shirley? I don't know. They uh, talked for 10 minutes at least. And Veth and Yez are having their moment. And Veth says something about, I want to be here. Well, not here. This place is gross. And Jester says, hey. She said, I go back to doodling. That was an irritating thing to me because I believe it was a selfish decision on Laura's part to put herself in the middle of that scene. Now, I know she took herself out really quickly, but she didn't resist the urge to be a part of somebody else's spotlight. Now, when I'm first listening to this scene, I assume this is a private conversation, that they are in some sort of a private setting, even if that just means they're at their own table. But I'm thinking this is a conversation between two people. Nobody else is listening in. The moment that Jester pipes up, that informs the scene and shows that they are out in the common area and they are talking openly, at least, um, at least around Jester. And I don't mind that visual because that shows that the party is close enough that they don't mind talking about serious matters in front of each other. And it also kind of shows the innocence of Jester, that she could sit there and be doodling and be listening in on stuff, but everybody trusts her. Nobody thinks anything of her. I mean, she's, she's harmless. She's just Jester. She's sitting over there. She's, she's practically, you know, in, in some ways, still a child. Not not in a lot of ways, but she's very unassuming and, and um, you know, I could definitely see a person like her if I'm wanting to have a conversation with somebody I love and it's, it's a close, intimate kind of thing and we're talking about our future and our, our emotions and we're putting it out there and it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't, just as heartless, I'm not going to worry about her sitting there. <clears throat> so I didn't mind overall knowing the gesture was there, even though that wasn't my initial, um, my initial instinct. What bothers me is that Laura couldn't resist having just had 10 minutes with her mother 
still couldn't resist jumping into the middle of somebody else's scene. And it wasn't that important. It wasn't that funny. Which I know, I mean, your instincts on comedy, it just like, they just, yeah, I know you're supposed to act according to those. And sometimes it hits, sometimes it doesn't. I'm not criticizing Laura for not being funny, even though I said, I mean, I said that. I don't, I don't think it was that funny, but without it being funny, it really didn't have any value. It interrupted, it interrupted the scene. And as an improviser, I don't appreciate when other people interrupt my scene, especially when it seems like it's out of selfish motivation. Um, mature improv teams and mature improvisers don't mind that sort of thing. So I may be admitting that I'm not a mature improviser. But I did a showcase once, and I'll tie this back to another thing that makes this show so great that I've probably talked about and, and probably will continue to. But I did a, a showcase back when I first did a level one improv class. And there was probably 10 to 12 of us in that class, and we were doing a 30-minute spot. So you were kind of limited on how much stage time you were going to get. And I don't remember what game we played, but we were having two-person scenes. And this guy walks onto the stage. We were in a hospital, and he walks on as another doctor or surgeon or something. And we hadn't been in the scene very long. I mean, scenes weren't going to be long anyway, and he introduced himself into the scene, and it frustrated me, and it taught me something about respecting other people on stage, respecting their time, <clears throat> and I used a technique that most people would not recommend, uh, and I didn't even really think of it as I wasn't strategizing on, you know, like, consciously going through my Rolodex of moves that I could could use. I just used what came naturally to me and what comes natural to a lot of people when they are uncomfortable in a scene. You make your partner out to be insane. They come out and they make a funny noise and they do this weird gesture and you're like immediately uncomfortable and you're like, I don't want to do that. So you make them out to be crazy. Uh, Sam did this with the uh, tr crash pandas one shot if you saw that there was this uncomfortable kind of moment when their their guest guy you know from the um, from their sponsor I can't remember who the sponsor was and who that guy was but he shows up um, and he plays and I thought it was great I mean I was glad that he did play and I thought it was cool but he he takes this moment to go really far out there and tell Marisha's character that, um, what was it? He was her dad. That was already agreed to, but I don't remember what the premise was, but it started getting a little bit more out there. It was a little bit less grounded, even, even less grounded than raccoons in a drag race. But it was something, it was something kind of outlandish. And so, it, you know, you could feel there was a little bit of an uneasy tension in the air and Sam goes, um, you know, somebody cracks the garage and you realize that the fumes have been building up and he basically made it out to be all just a hallucination. It was all just a dream. 
none of the stuff that he said was true anymore. Um, while for, while just a moment prior, it was all it all had to be accepted as reality. Sam pulls the ripcord and says, "Nope, none of that's true, and this is why you all were high on carbon monoxide, and now we can go back to a reality we were more comfortable with five ten minutes ago." Um, and we do this. We do this as improvisers. It's something we have to recognize in ourselves and then be aware of it in the future and try not to make people out to be senile old people, um, insane, uh, have mental handicaps of some sort, um, or just out to be like weird and undesirable. You know, for you to all of a sudden be this normal straight person and make the other person out to be weird and and it's not in a way that's fun for both people. You're like talking down to them, which that's at the meta level, but everybody's felt that energy before that's done improv where somebody is like meta projecting their own feelings and beliefs onto you and the scene. And um, <clears throat> anyway, it's, it's really sucks to have a partner that will do that to you. Uh, it's bad for you to do that to other people. I have to say, I did this to a guy who was not my partner. He came in and I immediately made him out to be um, an insane patient out of the psych ward, ward. And somehow, and he accepted the premise and he like grabbed his head and he was like, you know, oh my gosh, my memory. I don't know. I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he dismissed himself. Because I was thinking, dude, this is our time. We've got this two person scene. We've got a minute minute and a half maybe it's not gonna be long you've had your chance get out of our scene you know and again i don't know if that's selfish but the whole point of the showcase is to give the students a chance to get out there and do it and if i have to be out there and share my time with somebody you know i'm a person that loves i mean heck i'm doing this i love to hear my own voice i want stage time all performers most performers you know, we, we like attention. We want our time. And that's not unreasonable to show up, pay for a class, take the class. And at the end, hope to have in a 30 minute show, hopefully I get about three minutes of stage time. More or less. I don't, I don't know. So I don't think it was completely selfish of me. Now, I will say, When you can do that sort of thing, you, you, you know, you get more experience with improv and there are forms that lend themselves to this idea of walk-ons in the middle of the scene. Somebody could walk on as another character. Also, there's teams that just are much more privy to that sort of thing. I came to, um, I don't mind walk-ons these days. And I just want to be clear about that, um, that it was totally an instant of way back when of a person stepping onto a stage because they just selfishly wanted to get on stage. That's completely how I read it and how I still look at it now. It wasn't somebody that was so advanced in improv that thought they could improve the scene that hardly was even off the ground yet. They didn't... Uh, 
they didn't see a scene that they really wanted to be part of because it was so fun and they just wanted to play with us and they liked us because again, the scene wasn't taken off yet and we'd only been together for like eight weeks. So there was no like great rapport built between us where this guy just really liked my partner or me and wanted to get in there and play with us. Cause a lot of times that's what happens and it's encouraged. You see a scene, you like the way it's going, like get out there and play in it cause it's fun and You've got a good team and teammates that will, you know, accept you into that scene and say, yeah, yeah, we're doing this silly thing with the whatever, with this line. We keep repeating this line. And if you want to jump in here and do it too and and put your little twist on it, yeah, let's continue to have fun with this. But what I just mentioned is kind of part of the equation there. You've got to have a team of people that trust each other, know each other and like each other and have a rapport that's sort of the thing with, with critical role and what's so great about them. And this is where I said, I would tie it back to, to them. They are a group of friends that have relationship outside of the game. And I think that's where improv and tabletop RPGs and probably so many other things where they're at their best. Uh, if you ever watched dude, perfect, um, there's, there's so many YouTube and, and so many personalities and teams and shows. And when you learn or when you at least get the feeling or the belief that these people are truly friends outside of streaming together, that puts it on a whole new level. And it, it, I mean, we like to watch other people enjoy life, enjoy what they're doing. You know, when you learn that the Backstreet Boys or some other boy band were all put together because they were just four or five personalities or, or looks that some producer or um, manager put together and just said, Hey, you guys have never met each other. We're going to make a boy band out of you. You're and, and you're the lead and you're the one that we're trying to launch your career. The rest of you guys, you're going to tour. You're going to look hot. You're going to sing these songs. You know, we don't have, you know, that's a, that's just a totally different thing. Enjoying them would be a, a, a different feeling if you were following them on their own show and you got a feeling that these guys really were friends before they were singing together or when they're not touring or whatever, they, they still enjoy each other and they still hang out. They still choose to hang out. Um, Impractical Jokers. Those guys were friends since high school doing this kind of stuff. They weren't strangers put together for a show. You can tell these guys like each other and they, they do hang out outside of the show. I mean, nowadays, I don't know. I could, I could see eventually where they'd get to the point where they kind of, maybe they've had so much of each other. They can't, I don't know. They, they got another show. They got some game show that they host slash play on. I haven't watched it, but I mean, you, these guys are really friends and that's what we, that's a big part of the equation. That's a big part of why we like them. Same thing with critical role. You get this idea. I mean, how many relationships within it existed or definitely exist right now outside of the show, the channel, any content they put out, you know, Sam and Liam, Liam is in love with Sam. You'd assume that they are friends and do stuff outside of making content. Obviously, uh, Yeah, I won't go through all of them. 
but that's what makes us magical and that's what makes good improv magical and I, I I wish that I could have really found that with improv I think that was kind of the issue for me after doing it for four years there were people I was like friends with acquaintances friendly you know people that I liked just fine people that liked me but the real magic is when you can find people that you enjoy being around no matter what. Where they say, you want to go fishing? And you're like, I hate fishing. But if it's you, yeah. And that's, and then not like in a, not in a being in love kind of way. I mean, that, even the way I just said that kind of sounds like, well, that, that sounds like you need a girlfriend. Well, I have a girlfriend. I'm not talking about, I mean, this sort of thing happens between friends and romantic, romantic interests. I mean, I won't go off into that. I'm about to, yeah, I won't go off into all that. That's definitely beyond the scope of this. And I'm not, nope. But this uh, camaraderie, and, and I hope that for anybody out there, if you're doing, um, if you're playing D&D and you don't have like a group of friends and it's just a group of strangers, essentially you get out and get together with every week and you play and then you leave and like, uh, I don't recommend that for you. I think, I think this or any other activity is best shared with people that are really like you and really get you. And it's what I long for so much. I watch these guys because I feel like I'm part of them. I feel like I know them and I, and I know that I don't. And I see, I mean, I'm, I'm critical of them. I see that I see their flaws. I see when they're faking it. I see when they're acting. Um, and you see it even more on Tox Machina. You can see certain people, all of a sudden their persona is completely different and they, they start projecting how they think that they're seen or how they want to be seen. And you're like, dude, you are so obviously fake right now in general. And maybe in your normal life. I don't know. But believing that these people are... I mean, you see them laughing. They're totally into each other and their jokes and all that. It's just like, man, I wish I could... wish I could find that. And that's truly the example of what D&D is supposed to be. Yeah, there's some rules and differences. And I was just reading about Matt's rules on... Um, resurrections because I was thinking I was looking it up and I think I did a, I think I talked about that last time or, or two sessions ago it says you know the, the ruling is just says you you just do it like if you have the diamonds and you get to them within a minute you just do it but Matt does it everything where he rolls and so I looked it up I mean yeah they have different rules and different things but overall what makes critical role truly different and inspiring is their scene work you know the improvised scenes that they have between each other but also just the connection between these truly interesting and cool people you know they're not some sweaty smelly nerds they're they're cool people they're attractive people and they enjoy each other and they're they're what we think that we are and what we look like remember that meme what my friends think I look like, what my 
whoever thinks I look like, what I actually look like, what I think I look like, what I actually look like. You know, they are a picture of what we think that we look like, or at least what we could be. Having said that, <laughs> Laura jumps in, adding nothing to the scene other than a slight bit of comedic relief in a moment that doesn't really need that. Um, and it's it's just a it's just an example of stay in your lane. You know, you're allowed to have this scene just you and Matt for quite a long time. Let Sam have his moments. Let other people have their moments. You don't, you don't gotta. That's my recommendation to everybody too. Like be aware of that. When you got two people you're playing with and they're having a scene, even if it's going on five or 10 minutes, like applaud them for having the nerve to be able to keep that up for that long. And be engaged and be interested. I've been in situations where we're having a, a scene, you know, and this was an element I tried to bring to a group that I played with for a little while. And I tried to say, like, you know, these, these moments of inter-party communication and chatting and developing their characters and telling a story, this is something I think we can do. And, and I tried to implement that and tried to do it, uh, tried to kind of show it lead by example and then you've got other people in the party they're on their phones the whole time anything like well, that's not quite what I want either I want us all to be invested in these stories we're telling this story together so you don't have to like being present doesn't mean you have to jump in there and be in the middle of the scene just sit and listen and enjoy what they're doing be a fan do your best. Offer words of encouragement after or smile. I, I'm about to go off into a different subject, so I won't I won't do that, but maybe I'll do that next. Talk about how to support how to support your fellow players. Okay. That's it. Thank you. That's all I have to say about it until I say something about it later. <laughs>